This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of our show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer are that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. It's been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is in college. Our girls are doing well. Christina only had six seizures last month and three this month. The last one was a week ago, Saturday at midnight. There was no indication that she would have one that day. She was having an awesome day. She did all her chores in the morning to include unloading the dishwasher, shaking out all of our scatter rugs, cleaning up after our little dog, and vacuuming the other rugs in our home. She then played her first buddy baseball game of the season and even went to Maria's big league baseball game that afternoon. Everything was fine until my husband heard her convulsing at midnight. He woke me up and we all ran to her room, including our dog, and gave her diazepam, her rescue medicine. She finally stopped seizing after about five minutes, and she was finally completely well again at about 15. Of course, we stayed home that Sunday, and she missed school on Monday. The good news is she is fine and has only missed four days of school and two months, which is amazing considering how sick she had previously been. Today, we have an awesome show. Our guests are with the Health Freedom Florida. We will be discussing the 2020 Florida Legislature Session that is currently underway. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Our guests are with Health Freedom Florida. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello, Julie. Hi. Could you please introduce yourselves to our audience? Please tell them a little bit about your background and how you became involved with Health Freedom Florida. Are we going to start with you, Mo? Hi, Mo. Would you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thank you very much. So uh, I actually am a, a mom of a special needs child. Uh, I have a son named Jan, who is 12, about to turn 13 next week. And um, he's got a series of diagnoses, which include severe autism, 
um, epilepsy, which she was just diagnosed with in June, oh uh, pandas, uh, autoimmune disease, uh, mitochondrial dysfunction, uh, to name just a few, Tourette's, OCD, tics thrown in the mix. Oh so my. he's got a handful of medical diagnoses that have challenged him over the years. And uh, I've spent a great deal of time doing a lot of due diligence, a lot of research on you know how this came about and what transpired to create this kind of dysfunction throughout his entire body. And it ruled, it really boiled down to autoimmune disease, which stemmed from um, the vaccination process that we did. And over the years, I started to uh, meet other moms, and really primarily through social media. So right. that kind of was the foundation of Health Freedom Florida, where about um, 30 of us got together and uh, formed uh, really a particular social media group called Health Freedom Florida and started to kind of educate people, right, and bring right. it to the forefront so people understood the ramifications of what was happening to our children. Um, all the while, also trying to heal him, right? So right. bring health and happiness. That's been my primary goal for him for quite some time. Also have another son, Lucas Van Hook, who is uh, beautiful and brilliant and a great brother to his other brother. Um, but yeah, that's how I got involved. And I've just found it a lot of, found a lot of like like-minded people and yes. uh, we're growing in size and well it I've sounds been, like your group's out started as a grassroots organization in other words you're just yes. you're you're communicating what you've learned what you found supporting each other because of the challenges that you are facing daily and so that bore or turned into health freedom florida yes it did awesome okay hi i'm bailey kirkendall um, I got into the movement. I actually started up in Iowa. That's where I'm originally from. Yes. And then um, moved down to lovely Florida and found this amazing group of ladies and have just really inserted myself as quickly and um, as much as I can. I do a lot of the um, legislative work. I, oddly enough, find that very interesting and um, I'm passionate about it. Mm. And I'm brought to the movement for a different reason. I um, didn't realize until I was pregnant and doing some research on vaccines that I myself am vaccine damaged. When I went to um, get a physical before college, um, I was totally revaccinated. They said they had lost my records. And so I was completely oh revaccinated with six vaccines. Um, and uh, so I do have small sensitivities. It's not severe by any means. I have a lot of touch, smell, taste sensitivities. Um, and then I have uh, trouble with memory recall. And yes. most of my childhood memories are pretty much gone. So, um, wow. and, and I was able to kind of attribute that once I started really digging in to the side effects of vaccines. And so that's, that's where I am. <laughs> my interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Sarah. Hi, my name is Sarah Gibbons. I became involved with Health Freedom Florida more recently, but when my son was two years old, he suffered an injury from a vaccine at a routine doctor's visit. He started having three different types of seizures, 24 hours a day, nonstop. Within a week or two, we noticed that he was dropping his head and licking his lips. And then after doing a 24-hour surveillance at a hospital, we then learned that he was actually seizing nonstop with three different types. Um, so... I became involved with the legislator, fast forward many, many years later after finding out that a lot of the law or the bills being proposed would actually take away our right to choose whether my son was vaccinated further, which could be detrimental to his this life. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. <clears throat> oh my. Well, so with the Florida, with the Health Florida 
freedom. I mean, with Health Freedom Florida, mm-hmm. um, as we talk about, vaccine, about vaccines, it was interesting because as I started, first started looking at it, it was because Christina was just so sick in general. And when I first started looking into it, it talked about how doctors really weren't aware of people having reactions to vaccines or recording it. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I had been a victim of a vaccine. I had a flu shot back in the 90s with my husband. It was We were in D.C. for 15 years. I'm in Arlington in a commercial building. They have a they set up the station. You know, they set up those temporary stations to do flu shots. I had a flu shot. And um, I just remember sitting down with my Franklin planner and waking up. And the next minute I woke up, there was a nice gentleman that was looking at, at me. And he was a black man. And the reason why I say that is he's looking at me and he says, he says, you are so white. Now, mind you, I'm on the floor. I don't know anything that has happened. And I'm looking at him. I'm thinking, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> and but here's the amazing part is I had never in my mind really thought about that incident other than it was just this weird thing that had happened to me. And as I thought about the incident, what I realized is how long did it take the ambulance to get there? Right. How long did it take him to get up to the floor I was at in the building? How long was I there? My husband said basically I convulsed and I fell on the floor. Wow. So, and I was okay after that. I mean, we did the, the hospital thing and all that. So, did anyone record it as an incident? No. Nope. Did I even realize that, gosh, that was a major reaction to that? Uh, yes, I, I didn't have a sure. flu shot after that, but sure. I never realized that all these people, anti-vaxxers and all that, that those are the sorts of things that they're talking about. That's right. Yes. Can That's you right. add to that, Mo? Yeah. Would you like to add anything to that? No, absolutely. Um, so there are, it, reactions are more common than people think. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have the statistical data to be able to support, right, the true actual numbers of adverse reactions because of the underreporting by the medical Correct. community. I think it uh, is less than 1%, percent. Yeah. right? Bailey's our statistic, <laughs> statistics person. <laughs> but yes, I think it's less than 1% of actual vaccine injuries are reported into the VAERS system, which is the Vaccine Adverse Reaction Reporting um, Portal system, yeah. right. that we have today. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you do the math and you realize that if it's 1% or less, then there really is it's just so much more common than what we think it is. In my son's particular case, it was more immediate, right? So right. A, a lot of times when you have a two-year-old child, when you have a parent who's come in and who said, basically, my child was fine, healthy, APGAR score is doing great, working through the different, right, the goals that are being achieved, and then suddenly they've got a series of vaccinations that occur and they're unwell. They're starting to have ear infections. They are yes. um, experiencing, you know, um, unconsolable crying, um, you know, just uh, inability to make eye contact. Suddenly those things, you go to the medical doctor and you say, this is what we're being experienced. And I think it's correlating to exactly when we had these vaccinations take place, something happened to this child's body. And um, they're not taking that next step in reporting it and saying right. this parent did report this, right? So that's why we've got such an inability to be able to really show the true numbers of injuries that are happening. And when we talk about, you know, the injuries, there's so many different variables to it. I always look at, like, you know, a car accident because this is injury. It's not it's not disease-driven per se. It's actual injury. So when you go in and you get in a car accident, some people, unfortunately, die. 
Right. Some people end up with a broken arm. Right. Some walk away pretty much unscathed. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you're seeing the diversity in what we're tra- what's happening with our you know, this generation of children. My son, in, in his particular case, had multiple strokes mm-hmm. uh, shortly following um, a catch-up program for his vaccinations. Oh, my. It, yeah, it was uh, pretty catastrophic. Um, but you have other parents that have gone in and, and noticed since the event of the vaccinations, they had seen a slow decline in their child's right health. Um, you know, diarrhea, and again, I mentioned the ear right. infection, speech delay, and then you've got months that you're trying to figure all of this out, and um, and suddenly you've got an autism uh, diagnosis, right. or you've got ADHD, you've got, you know, a series of neurological issues that are happening to these children. So I really think you tie it to the fact that the injury is happening in different modalities because of how our bodies are receiving it, right? right? We're Correct. all different. Our biology is so different, and it's, yes. it's very interesting to know that, you know, just recently we discovered that we have a new organ in our body. I think that was like three years ago. We don't know right. everything. The right. science is never going to be settled on that. And how our body takes in different types of toxicities is a very important thing to think about and look at what are we doing? Why are we taking this at face value when we have no safety studies that have ever been done to be able to support this is the right thing to do to these children? Right. And here's what's interesting is I'm not well versed on the whole issue of vaccines. But as I started looking into it, and I'm, you know, I'm a numbers person and very um, research and type person. And the thing that really amazed me was what was passed in 1986. Oh, yeah. So to me, that should cause everyone to pause and to at least look at the situation from both sides. Correct. So let's take a break there, and when we come back, we will talk, discuss that further. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Our guests are with Health Freedom Florida. We are discussing the 2020 Florida Legislature session that is currently underway. Please stay with us. We will be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I am here with guests who are representing the Health Freedom Florida And we were just discussing how your organization has aligned with some national organizations. Would you like to um, explain uh, some of these groups that you're working with? Terrific, yes. So Health Freedom Florida is really a volunteer group. Um, We do this in our spare time where we dedicate as much as we can to um, kind of getting information out to the masses in regards to things that are transpiring in Florida, specifically in a legislative perspective. And by the nature of that, we uh, partnered with National Vaccine Information Center. It's an organization, nonprofit, that has been around for more than 33 years, and they primarily focus on, you know, vaccine information, getting correct information out to 
all of the states. But in addition to that, they spend a lot of time on legislative yeah. uh, happenings across the country to ensure that any kind of legislative bills that are mandates and or could jeopardize our you know freedoms in, in a lot of different capacities, specifically to medical freedoms. Uh, they are in tune with it, and then they alert us. And then, of course, we then in turn alert our groups to make sure that everybody understands what's transpiring in the legislative season in our state. Yes. Uh, been uh, tremendously impactful for us yeah. um, over at Health Freedom Florida because of their expertise, their knowledge, and their um, incredible um, um, incredible endeavor to keep us moving forward and growing the movement because we are moving pretty quickly in the last few years from this exponential growth through grassroots um, efforts. In addition to that, we uh, aligned with, um, as another affiliate, Children Health Defense. That's an organization that is uh, chairman of the board is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yes. And uh, Lynn Redwood is the president. Um, she actually has been in this movement for quite some time with an injured child herself, uh, written several books. And it's uh, an organization that sort of shifts while they focus on a lot of the legislative happenings. They're more aggressive. They are about trying to change what's transpired in our world when regards to the pharmaceutical industries. Yes. And targeting them in a direct way from a legal perspective, right? Right. Litigation is very important for us to be able to challenge what is happening with these pharmaceutical companies and the impact that they're making through um, not only the legislative aspect, through their lobbyist organizations, but also how they are managing the vaccination program in general, because it does not follow suit as you would as you may right. understand, with any other type of medication that is being created by those uh, or those four major manufacturers. Yes. Well, Robert, Robert Kennedy's speech at the gala, you sent me a link yes. to that. Yes. And I am going to try and put that in my newsletter. So people listening, if you sign up for my newsletter. But that speech that he made was amazing. And the thing that I found so amazing about all of this is after I spoke to you, I tried to get the one of the vaxxed movies just to watch it Mm -hmm. and I couldn't even get it off of Amazon I couldn't even buy it censorship is so strong well that's what I thought was so amazing because here is Robert Kennedy going through names Mm -hmm. he's not will he's comfortable with calling out names I mean these are all organizations are very powerful that could sue him correct but he has his facts yeah. And no one he will does. listen to him. No. And he, he he said he couldn't even write editorials. No. So it's an amazing. But here, even before I saw that, the thing that convinced me is I saw a PowerPoint presentation maybe a year ago. And all I had to see was in 1986, an act yeah. was passed. <clears throat> so I want you to talk about that. But I also want to tell the audience this, too. And Robert Kennedy made this point in his speech is I think back to when I was a kid. I come from a huge family. And the things that we're experiencing now, and Mo will go through that a lot of this was really documented in 89 is when all this took off. But we didn't have autism. No. We didn't have peanut allergies. Right. So if you're out there and you're listening and you were born before 89, you know, I mean, if you were born probably before you started getting the vaccinations, you know this is true. Yeah. Very true. So, Mo, please explain what happened in 1986. Yeah, so it's um, very concerning, right? And I don't think that this is very well known. 
And I think if more people understood what transpired back in 86, they'd understand why we're where we are today right. with um, the level, I think it's 54 percent, um, Mr. Kennedy rep- represents 54 percent of children that are dealing today with chronic illness. And what happened is 1986, the uh, manufacturers of vaccines went to our legislators and basically said, we are being sued so much so often because of the damages that are being inflicted by these vaccines. We're doing away with our vaccine program. And it set off alarms. It has set off alarms because of the mindset and the belief that vaccines were preventing these childhood illnesses that were being experienced. And what they did was is they created a law and the law said we, as a, a constituent of the United States, um, we're not able to sue the manufacturers for any injury that our child or ourselves would experience, including the death of of, of that um, of the child or that person. And it was passed. It was passed in 1986, and subsequent to that, in 1989, is when you saw. In yeah. a dramatic increase, right? Mm-hmm. It took them a few years, but it took a dramatic increase in the number of vaccinations that were being manufactured. And you have four pharmaceutical companies that are primarily responsible for driving, I think it's like 99% of the vaccines that are so out it's there. It's kind of like you're talking about big pharma. That's big correct. pharma, That's absolutely. Right. And um, it, so through that act, it really, it did not, it does not hold them accountable in any way, shape or form to make sure that vaccinations are safe, that they're effective. They're all assumed to be that. But when you right. start to peel back, I believe, um, Mr. Kennedy, he mentions that um, he and his organization, Children's Health Defense, sued Health and Human Services about a year and a half ago and said, you were required by law over the last 31 years since the implementation of this law to validate safety studies are being done on these vaccinations. And they said, provide us the data. They could not. Health and Human Services could not provide them the data. They said they have no records whatsoever. So over the 31 years that they were supposed to be validating and ensuring that these manufacturers were holding the highest level of uh, standards for making sure these things are safe prior to injecting them into our uh, into our bodies, they don't have any data to support it. Okay, so technically the pharma, if I understand this right, technically the pharmaceutical companies did not have to do the safety thing. But at the same time, our government was supposed to be checking it through human health and human uh, services, health and human services. Correct. And they were not monitoring it. They weren't. Oh. A- absolutely. And here's the even the worst part of it is, is that because vaccinations fall under this um, guideline of biologics, yes. they don't have to adhere to the same gold standard safety testings that any other medication would have to go through. So when a product goes and they have to provide to the FDA studies that support not only just immediate um, safety and efficacy, but long-term safety and efficacy. Well, because the vaccination program with the the zero liability and the um, modalities of the different vaccines that were being pushed out, they said, oh, we don't have, we don't have to do those things because they're a biologic. They fall under a different guideline that had been set forth. So we don't, the safety studies that were done, 
were primarily done within like five-day windows. So if that child had a seizure on day 14, that documentation that wasn't documented anywhere. Right. And um, they also went down this pathway of it's, it's unethical to not vaccinate a child, so we really can't do a study of vax versus unvaccinated children. But what's important to note for the 1986 uh, act that took place, the pharmaceutical companies don't pay out for any liabilities whatsoever. Um, so what in turn happens is we're, we're taxed. We're taxed on those um, medications, and then subsequently a percentage of that goes into this vaccine court. Now, parents uh-huh. have to go petition this court. It doesn't follow any other standard that we have for litigation outside of this one product. Right. And Interesting. Uh, yes, and they have to go hire their own lawyers. It's a very difficult process. It takes years. And so it's almost like a secret court. It is. Kind of like a, yeah, a tribunal. Uh, it's a tribunal. <laughs> oh, my um, goodness. Yes. Okay. So it's, it doesn't follow the same guidelines, which is just very unfortunate on so many different levels. Nor does the parents who are so busy trying to find ways for healing their children from the damages that were done have the opportunity or even the finances to be able to support going down that path. And um, But it has paid out over $4 billion yes. for vaccine injury claims that have been presented. Um, but again, one of the other fascinating things about, you know, uh, Mr. Kennedy's, um, and, and I hope everyone right. listens to it, is how he talks about the all four of the pharmaceutical manufacturers, yeah. all four that produce these vaccines that we inject into our bodies under the premise that they're safe and affected, effective are all convicted felons. That's right. And not just on a single instance. They are actually um, serial felons. Yeah. And they have um, been accused uh, accused and convicted of not only defrauding regulators, lying to uh, the medical community, but also paying out in just the last 10 years alone, the four of them have paid over $35 billion out in, in damages and penalties surrounding well, all of their uh yeah. What's interesting about this, is, so like, for instance, I didn't know any of that until I heard a speech. But what's interesting about this, though, is if someone's listening to this intuitively, we shouldn't be surprised because we've seen the whole thing Correct. with Oxycontin. Correct. Where they're now yeah, being yeah. sued, that they never they misrepresented what the drug would do at the pharmacy yes. with the doctors and the pharmaceutical reps. So, so intuitively... We all know this. Right. So as I'm listening to you, I mean, like I say here, I think that's a great example. Vioxx. Think about the Vioxx fiasco back in 2006. They knew Merck knew Vioxx. It was. So let me step back. Vioxx was sold and marketed as a headache medicine. Their internal documentation showed that they knew it was actually causing heart attacks and killing people. But they still put it out on the market anyways. And they were subsequently, right, sued. There was a class action lawsuit. They were sued uh, because these people did not get informed consent regarding it, which is a very important thing to to think about. But they ended up uh, becoming convicted of it, and they paid over, Vioxx paid out over $7 billion in penalties just for that. And I think it was over 100,000 people that had died. From and they knew they were going to die Vioxx. from Vioxx, having heart attacks, thinking that they were actually getting a headache medicine. Oh, my. And it was known. Yeah. Right, right. This is all fascinating. 
Let's take a break there, and when we'll come back, we'll continue the conversation on the other side. Great. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Our guests are with the Health Freedom Florida. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Our guests are with Health Freedom Florida, and right now I'm talking to Mo Van Hook. And Mo, we're, we're talking about the vaccines, and we were just now in break, we were all discussing how we had had the vaccines, and actually I had the mumps. I had the measles mm. and I had the chicken pox yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was very in shock because I, my oldest actually had the chicken pox okay. and they wanted to know where she got it from. I think she got it from the photo when we went to get her photograph or from the doctor's office. Yep. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like pink eye one time. I'm sure we got it at the doctor's office. <laughs> and then, um, so I really wanted my other two to get chicken pox mm-hmm. yeah. and but the other two ended up being vaccinated. And here's what shocked me about chickenpox. When they were vaccinating, I was told that's all they would need. Well, now they say that they need a booster. That's right. And yeah. so here my daughter is in college. She doesn't. She says she doesn't want children or anything like that. But what if one day if she decides, she has... It's just it just amazes me that they're never sure about the vaccine. Well, you yeah. don't know the end. Well, the science result. isn't settled, right? right? So now they're right. finding that it's waning in its immune so-called immunity, yes. right? Yes. Um, and so it is different for everybody. Somebody actually can walk out of that doctor's office and have not achieved any type of immunity at, well, at all. Somebody could have it for six years. Another person could have it for two years. So when we look and we think about this ideology of herd immunity, it doesn't exist today. It's less than 60%, I think, of the, the U.S. population that um, would even be close to being close to that herd immunity, which you need to be about 98% to achieve it if it was a real thing. thing. But we're yes. not. We're not there. Well, it's interesting to me because, I mean, I do know of a case, for instance, um, I've had um, the place Brookwood on the show, Brookwood Community for Special Needs in Texas. That was started because the the founder's daughter, she had mumps, and then she got meningitis and a brain inflammation. But here's what people don't understand is, yes, there are bad things that happen when you get sick. But we're now at 100,000 cases of autism being yes, diagnosed right. per year. So, let, I mean, I don't know what the numbers is. And I didn't have time before the show. I was like, so what are the numbers? What percentage of kids did get sick from those diseases? It can't be what we're experiencing right now. And like you were saying, right. 89 is when we first started the chronic illnesses. You were going to talk a little bit more about sure, that. Sure, yeah. 19, what, right? So in 1986, we were talking about how they've gotten their um, immunity liability free, right, vaccination right. program. And that's when we started to see a mass overhaul of the vaccination mandates coming out. Today, 
children can receive 68 to 72 vaccinations compared to, right, 1970, I think, was four. Right. So what happened is 86, they they started to push out more vaccinations. And about 89 is when we started this massive explosion of chronic diseases. And they fell into three categories, right? Neurodevelopment issues, right? Autism, ADHD, allergies, tics. Right, because we all remember when ADHD started being diagnosed. Right. right. And I always thought they just weren't letting the boys go out to play. Yes, Yes. right? (laughs) No. And then you had a a secondary group of allergies. So now all of a sudden we've got peanut, food, eczema, and asthma. And these are like anaphylactic levels where people are actually, children are actually My daughter, my oldest has asthma. Oh, see, there you go. My second daughter has epilepsy. Right. Um, And so they... On a side note, just so you know, they actually did a study on allergies. And you know what they give the rats for them to actually create the allergy? They give them aluminum, which is in 60% of our vaccines, to create that actual reaction. So that's how they create the allergy. And the rat to test the rat. To test the rat. To test drugs on the rat for allergies. So like for a peanut allergy, they they would inject aluminum and then a peanut oil. And that's how they got. That's how they get. A and they've been allergy. doing that for decades. They and, have, they, and they've known that for decades. Absolutely, noted for decades. Yeah, interesting. So right now, we're, 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 what we're dealing with is you know we've got one in five children that are dealing with neurodevelopmental issues. One in ten with ADHD. One in thirty-six autism. One in eleven asthma. And one in twenty children under five years of age seizures. So we are having this exponential rising in autoimmune issues across the board, and it coincides with the increased vaccination schedule that came out over the last decade. So you were telling me that we could actually do a graph and it would parallel. Absolutely. Yes. The graph. That's right. Yes. You, Fascinating. Yes, you would You would absolutely see the correlation between, between them. And not the only that is the antidotal information that comes out with it, right? Right. Which is the parent stories, the conversations that are happening where you had a healthy child, they went in, they received their shots, they walked out, and they had a multitude of health issues following. Um, and and that, that, unfortunately, we're denied that, right? We're, right. we're told that, um, you know, we're put into a little bucket because it's such a polarizing topic because they want to believe in the program because they're doing it and they're following through with the injections. Right. But at the end of the day, right. it's the one thing that you can't say happened. You, right, you, you'd you be right. believed on all these different avenues, and they'll make the connection when you go into your doctor's office. But when you say it's because, wait a minute, I left here two days ago, and now he won't make eye contact. He's drooling out of the corner of his right. mouth. Um, and that's the that's the interesting thing, is we actually all were pro-vaxxers. Right. We all well, got um, vaccinated. We get our yes. children vaccinated. My children are completely that's vaccinated. That's right, but it's the damage after, the injury after. So well, it's not like we're anti-vax. It's, there's an issue. No. Why well, are we not well, looking at it? Here's the problem, is the studies haven't been done. That's right. And the studies haven't been done because this act was passed in 1986, and it's a free-for-all. So mm-hmm. you have a population that is an experimental population right. just based on that act. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that, here's the thing, is we could say technically whether that's happened, that hasn't happened, it looks like it's happened. We need to see the studies. That's correct, yeah. But to me, it always, yeah, you're, you're ever with people and you're like, you don't get it. It's that 1986. That's all I had to see mm-hmm. a year ago to say, hmm, yeah, interesting. Something's but, not right here. Right. And I, as I sit and look at you, these lovely ladies, I, I mean, I don't think you guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> They're very sound and normal. And 
it's just but you know what's interesting is that you me. mentioned the studies, yes. right? So yes. in 1999, actually, there was um, the National Institute of Health and the CDC got together and they said, listen, I think what we need to do is look at the you know this huge repository of information. They had a, a data on 10 million people um, of claims of illnesses and injuries. And what they did is they hired somebody and they said, go in, we want you to take a look at this data. And it had all the vaccine information in there as well. So they right. took the database and they said, we need to determine if we're really seeing a spike, right? What, what are we looking at from a vaccine injury perspective? The first run at that data literally shook the CDC That's to its right. knees. Yeah. Yes. And what they found was, is that they looked at Hep B vaccine, and then they looked at kids who took it in their first 30 days of life, and those that did not, and they compared them. And what they found is the children receiving the Hep B vaccine had a hot, no, I'm sorry, 1,135% greater chance of getting an autism diagnosis than those that did not receive the vaccine. Wow. So the relative risk of that is 11.35. The relative r- risk to associate causation with any d- disease or il- injury is two. And you know what they did? They took the data and they hid the data. Yep. And Children's Health Defense, just so you know, it's called Simpsonwood. They have all the documentation supporting what was discussed on their on their website website. yeah it's profound so so there is it's out there but there's that's children's defense children's health Health, defense health health defense Mm -hmm. right um so it's out there the cdc knew about it they knew about it they they knew that this would jeopardize the vaccination program and uh, unfortunately they made conscious decisions some of them to um, hide that data. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. Well, let's take a break there. When we yep. come back, let's discuss what's going on legislatively around the country and here. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour right here on AM860, The Answer. We are discussing the 2020 Florida Legislature Session that is currently underway with guests from the Health Freedom Florida. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. We are discussing the 2020 Florida Legislature Session that is currently underway with our guests who are with Health Freedom Florida. So... Let's talk about what's currently being looked at right now as far as bills. Yeah, thanks. So we've been very fortunate in in, in Florida um, over the last uh, 10 years to not really have any kind of concerning bills um, that would place vaccinations into a mandated form for us. We also have um, specific exemptions that are available to parents. So we've got a religious exemption that they um, can actually apply for at the um, health department. And um, then, of course, there's medical exemptions. 
But um, we had saw in the 2019 legislative season that a bill passed HB 213, unfortunately, which actually is a registry. It's a tracking bill. It's an actually intrusive tracking bill where you you can potentially they claim to opt out. But in reality, you can't because it's still documented as an opt out. And your medical, your children's medical data, as well as your own, is going to be uploaded into a database in our government's database. And that's going to be easily accessible for either Florida Shots or Health and Human Services to look at what is being done um, from not only a vaccination standpoint, so but a multitude of medical that? issues. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Almost. There were two dissenters of legislators. Really? That, uh, but but uh, otherwise it passed That's unanimously. That's not a comfortable feeling. No. All right. Continue. Yeah. It's very concerning. And so yes. that really was where we said we need to step up this game here because right. these things are happening and not a lot of people are aware of it because of where we are and the, the right, fact right. that Florida is a freedom-loving state. Yes. What happened, though is across the country we're seeing a huge number of bills that are coming through to take away those exemptions. Yes. Um, uh, we lost, they lost in California. They most recently lost in New York. Connecticut is about to lose. Maine lost theirs. Right. And we're seeing it now. We've got a bill that just came out um, in, this, in this 2020 session called SB 64, which is removing religious exemptions. Oh, wow. And actually creating a medical tribunal of sorts where instead of the doctor patient making the determination that a medical exemption is warranted for vaccines, that that exemption has to be presented to a, a government board to determine whether or not. So it's who valid. do we contact? Yes. With so, our concerns. So Absolutely. we've got um, both yes, a website. Bailey. Thank you. Yes. Oh, we've got both a website and a Facebook page, Health Freedom Florida. Pretty simple. It's okay. www.healthfreedomflorida.com. We um, daily at this point are putting up uh, alerts, and okay. these alerts contain emails, phone numbers, um, even Twitter handles hand, handles of our legislators on who to contact for what bill because they're in different committees right. and being passed in either the House or um, um, on the Senate floor. So we're trying to stay on top of that, and we give out information as we receive it basically absolutely and national vaccine information center is another it's www.nvic.org and that's an important one to go on there register because you can actually set up your alerts that's for right. your state so okay. any bills that they have caught that they're going to push out to let you get that notification that um, give you action steps absolutely and then you also want to go to children's health defense as well um, yes. which is children's health defense org and um, sign up for there, become a member, because again, you're then also getting additional information supported from their perspective, from the from the um, the legal uh, ramifications yeah. of what happening, not only just in the state of Florida, but across the country. Um, there's another fantastic organization called Stand for um, Health Freedom, and they're helping, helping us with getting actually a lot of the messaging out. So these are fantastic organizations we highly recommend people get involved with. Okay, well, you know what? We just have a few minutes. I just want to say something here. We were on the break. We were talking about the measles outbreaks. What people have got to realize is when people are saying a measles outbreak, my husband actually got his calculator yeah. out and did the numbers. That's right. It was mm-hmm. not a major outbreak. No. And I, when you start hearing things, get your calculator out. That's get right. your numbers out. That's right. Start crunching the numbers. You know, someone writes an article, you can write it in a lot of different ways. Yes. And you were saying that they're using this terminology to get things pushed through legislatures. That's correct. Different state legislatures. That's right. So all of a sudden... It's gone, and then they move to the next state, and yep. there's another outbreak, and right. we got to pass it in that That's state. Correct. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. 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 I mean, the example so is New York, okay. right? They had right. a measles 
outbreak, which, by the way, they've now actually come back and found that the measles outbreak was actually transpiring in a very um, Hasidic Jewish community, and they actually were having measles events oh. so that they could get rid of, <laughs> oh, so that everyone could get the measles the, the natural, and get their yeah, lifelong immunity, immunity to mm-hmm. it. So the statistics weren't necessarily they what they're skewed. true to be. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. So that but was utilized to take away the um, exemptions. Right. And that is a very frightening thing to do. We here, by the way, are going on the proactive side. So we're actually working to introduce and get legislators on board awesome. with a conscientious exemption yes. um, so that people understand that there's there's people that just want that for their freedom of their body. Um, informed consent information as well. Thank you, ladies. You guys are Awesome. And I know us. we could do a Thank whole other so show on this, <laughs> but we need to go. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer.